this is the Not Bitter, Just Better podcast. The Everton our way. Straight, Straight from, from the street, street end. end. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. Mr Johnny Seven, here as always with Mark Mack. A day late today Mark. Yeah, a little bit late today, uh, and we are doing this via the medium of FaceTime, so the sound quality is probably not as good as usual. Um, I made loads of notes here, though. I'll just read some of them out for today's podcast. There's a bit of a running order. I've got um, fix the grout in bathroom, uh, fix the garage door. I'm, a, I'm on the wrong page, lad. I think you might well be, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that, they're the wrong notes. Oh, here we go. I found the real ones. Well, your notes might come in handy because we are going to start off as we are going to be doing all season with the Everton News of the Week. Plenty to talk about, so here we go. News! Right, so uh, where shall we start, Mark? Well, I think it would be remiss of us not to go back to the saga of the summer um, the John Stone story what else can we talk about yeah it's what's dominated our talk, Evertonians talk all over the globe Facebook pages all over the globe Sky Sports, News etc so I suppose we should start there and uh, I, I don't know why I'm sounding all, sounding all doom and gloom about it it's been a somewhat happy ending so well, happy ending so far, as as we know. We've uh, still got th- we've still got three days to go. Don't forget till the transfer window closes. Yeah, so, so it's not let's quite. Let's not say anything for definite yet. But do you know what I am looking forward to? Monday, so we can actually get rid of the story, no matter what happens. I think it'll go on anyway. I think even if he stays this transfer window, uh, if Chelsea is still looking in January, which he probably will be, then it's he's just going to be linked and linked and linked and linked until next season and it, it, I don't know hopefully we can just finish above them in the league and that's the only way we're going to put it to bed I think unfortunately but let's backtrack a little bit uh, the the news everybody dreaded something that we've been saying we think is going to happen for a few weeks now uh, Tuesday morning after training Stones himself put in a, an official transfer request with the club you say it was Stones himself, but do you actually think it was Stones himself, or do you think it was some really bad advice from his agent? I think, I think it's really well. It must have been Stones himself. Let's face it. But it, the advice of you know people around him, and no doubt uh, when he's been away on international trips and exchanged phone numbers with the likes of Gary Cahill, etc. Uh, saying, you know, I think they've been saying, "I'll oh, come join us down here." It's boss, you know. You, you get three times your wages, and uh, you live in a capital and all that kind of stuff. Plus, for all, some reason, I thought you were going to say you live in a caravan. Then I don't know why. That's just what it looked like you were going to say. Uh, no, that's not what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, so, I think he, you know, he, he's obviously a young lad. He seems dead sensible, but it's going to turn anyone's head, that isn't it? Yeah, well it is, and you know, as we said over the information we had, we, we had the information that 
as soon as the first bid had come in that, that, that John had expressed that he, he wanted to get the move uh, and that's what we were basing the fact on that we expected the transfer request uh, and I must admit as an Evertonian and I'm sure you're probably the same Johnny I'm sure a lot of people listen to the same I fully expected once that transfer request went in on Tuesday that within 48 hours maybe 3 days then Stones would have gone I think I, I think um, with that transfer request I, I thought what would happen would be we'd then give uh, a figure that we expected Chelsea to match and then Chelsea would come in with a somewhere a little bit lower than that but bigger than that last bid and then the deal would be kind of underway and then obviously there'd be some to and fro and about whether we should have any players thrown in there and um, yeah I thought it'd be done and dusted but well obviously once the as soon as the transfer request went in the stories went ballistic again um, but they, you know there's the major rumour out there is that Chelsea came in with a £37 million bid uh, Everton rejected that been all sorts of talk that Man United were now coming in for him, offering Phil Jones, Johnny Evans and any other defenders they've got at the club, along with money um, so the rumours have been circulating, um, but a big surprise to me is that the club, as a as a, as a unit basically, because you're, you're talking the manager, the chairman and also one of the board of directors have all come out and uh, said Listen, it doesn't matter, transfer request or no transfer request, the lad's not for sale. Um, and so far, so good. It, it, does, it doesn't look like they're going to waver from that. It looks like it's a concrete no. So this kind of uh, knocks down all those rumours where, unless, well, I mean, it, it could open up a, a, lot, a lot more conspiracy theories, but a lot of people are su- suggesting that Stones didn't really put a transfer request in or that his hand was forced by the board so that it doesn't reflect on them so that then he becomes a scapegoat in the eyes of Evertonians um, so, so let me get this straight the board made him put a transfer request in so they could reject it yeah how does that make sense I don't know this is what a lot of people are trying to say now you know you know, he, he never put the bid in anyway uh, sorry the request in anyway it's like well I, I, think, I think a lot of people are watching far too much X-Files 24 all that kind of stuff I think John Stones has seen that Chelsea are interested via all the bids you know he, he, he's obviously trained alongside some of their players they were the champions last year it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to see that he might want to try and push a move to there you know it, it's not I don't think this is one where you can kind of say that the board are trying to force him out uh, so that and, and you know trying to save face by making him ask for a transfer I, 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 I mean I we, we, we've documented reasons he would ask for a transfer he's not a blue you know he's an ambitious lad he did exactly the same to Barnsley to come to Everton so you can't really expect anything different and I, I wouldn't expect anything differently from him I'm going to make you feel old though now you know lad because you put a reference in there about, um, you know, conspiracy theories, and you do know, don't you, that some of the kids listening to this podcast won't have a clue what the X Files is. Yeah, they will, because it's coming back, and they'll they'll know. They'll definitely know what we're going on about. Um. So, 
Yeah, I mean, that that is where we're up to currently with it. At the minute, he's an Everton player. Um, what I do want to say, uh, what a uh, uh, part of this story that I do want to pick up on is, uh, and I feel like I'm getting into some sort of rant on my high horse every week on the podcast lately, but some of the treatments of John Stones, from what I've seen on videos on on social media, from what I've read about, has been nothing but disgraceful this week. Uh, the lad's been personally abused at games. Um, you know, we all saw the footage that I think went round as he's going down the tunnel at half time. Um, there's talk that you know he's been stopped at service stations, and um, you know I don't know whether this was people begging him to stay or giving him abuse. That's meant to have brought him to tears. Uh, and the most worrying story I've seen, and again I don't know the legitimacy of this because I think it was in um, that rag that shall not be mentioned on this podcast, but. Uh, a fact that he, he's actually been hounded out of his home address by, by Evertonians uh, who were not best pleased with his transfer request so that, that behaviour with that behaviour get you know with that behaviour stupid it just puts off other players in the future coming here because you know they're worried about whether they can ever make the move without getting hounded out of the houses uh, the lad's still an Everton player and the lad's just trying to do best for himself and, and, and his family Um so yeah, that terrible behaviour from some blues shown this week. Yeah, I think the, the the first thing that you talked about, where he you know somebody started shouting abuse. I think the, this this fella uh, recorded himself shouting stuff. Uh, Stones turned his head towards him, and because he got some kind of acknowledgement, this video was up on YouTube. And ever since then, this one fan or this small minority of fans have been crucified since uh, the service stations thing. You know, obviously, you know the, the the club. The the got the coach over to Barnsley, came back same night, not flying, not going first class or anything. So I don't think you can fly to Barnsley. To be fair, I don't think it's got an airport. Well, you know, I mean, they're not. They're, what I mean is, they're not like it's not really luxury travel, is it? It's, you know, they they still have to stop off for, for petrol like everyone else. So you stop in the service stations. Uh, so they run into some fans. From what I understood from it, I don't think he was getting abuse at the service station. I think he was just getting asked why and stuff. And then uh, Stephen Naismith kind of got involved and got you know told that whoever was saying this kind of stuff to give the lad a little bit of space. He's under a lot of pressure. And the third part of it, yeah, I think this is absolute bullshit. Uh, and it's just the worst form of uh, journalism. I mean, well, I'm, I'm assuming there is because I, I can't. I, I, I see the worst of Evertonians in, you know, shouting abuse at the player. I cannot imagine that we, anyone would go that low as in to be hounding him out of, uh, hounding out of his house, you know, because that's just that's not Everton behaviour at all. Well, I don't know. You know, it was getting that way with Nicky Barnby, wasn't it? Oh, that's a completely different matter, and you know that's. That that lad that that lad, that scumbag spat in the face of a lot of Evertonians. And Walter Smith stood his ground. He didn't do many good things for Everton, but he stood his ground there, and he called him out on it. The fact that he'd gone into that changing room and asked for the Liverpool uh, move to move to Liverpool to Liverpool to Liverpool, and then it came out that he supported him as a boy, like you know everybody who signs for them apparently does until he signed for somebody else. Um, I think a completely different story that. Uh, you know, it's still. I mean, I mean, it's, it's not something I'd do myself, but I, I don't know. 
I, I, that that just reeks of just uh, trying to get a few clicks on your website or a few uh, more newspapers sold. So at the expense of uh, you know Everton. Yeah, just to put the story to bed for this week at the moment. Uh, you know, you touched on it before. You know, I think it's been you know uh, a massive. Um, thing for the the board and and for Martinez to do to come out and to be so resolute and to really stand the ground and you know I think to a certain extent West Brom have done it as well with Berahino with Tottenham calling them that they've, they've they've not caved in at the moment and sold them despite the transfer request. It's it's just good to see. It is good to see that the clubs like Everton, Spurs are not bowing down to the you know the really top quality clubs at the moment with the big money um, and long may it last the, the problem is with this though is Roberto's talking about this transfer window uh, it should be closed before the start of the season and uh, you know the way Chelsea have been acting but like you said a little bit before you know when we went in with that approach to Barnsley and gave them an offer too good for them to refuse you know it's the hierarchy again isn't it we're going to go and bully some other little club into let, to let one of their assets go and it's 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 tricky, isn't it, to try and you know to be all uh, to try and play the victim in all of this when you know every club does it. I just I just think Chelsea kind of feel like they've got a right to whoever they want, and which has been you know uh, pretty much confirmed by the reaction of some of their uh, fans on Twitter. <laughs> Completely ripping Everton to bits over the, the, you know, the fact that oh, if he wants to go, you should let him go. Stop being, stop being spoiled brats and all this kind of stuff. Like, what? <laughs> As my new composition goes, money can't buy John Stones. Yeah. Um, and if you wonder what we're talking about, check out our webpage to see my ridiculously stupid song I made up uh, the other night. Um, John Stones is not the only Everton defender subject of a, a big money bid this week though. It's surprising news breaking today. Um Seamus. Seamus might be going all uh, Gaelic on us and wearing onions around us now. Yeah, it's a strange one, well, that's twenty million to PSG. Mad one. I know the I know they were in the market for a right back, I know they're short at right back, but I've never heard them linked to them before and then sort of came out of the blue. Straight bang in there, no messing around. Uh, 20 million on the table according to talk sport yeah uh, so and I know Sky have sniffed around this story as well but you can't trust Sky at the minute um, so yeah 20 million one, I just I think I mentioned this I fear to you I really can't see I don't know why I'm not trying to like you know give the lad any stick here but I really couldn't see Seamus Coleman learning French uh, and he just doesn't strike me as the kind of lad who'd move to Europe for some reason. Maybe you see him differently. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I think no matter what, anyway, the bid's been rejected, so it's by the by, isn't it? He looks more like a sausage and chips man to me than than snails and horses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what you kind of touched on it, you know, the board coming out and particular that statement that came out. And I, I was being a, apparently being a little bit of a spoiled, uh, entitled brat myself on our Facebook on Tuesday because every report that I saw about this Stones transfer request was according to our sources, according to our sources. And then somebody, it, it, it had been confirmed by 
uh, somebody saying that it, this story had gone to the press association which kind of gives it more substance uh, I don't know I've never heard that before is, is, so did, did Everton release that story to the press association or what I don't know have you ever heard of this before Mark no I mean it's a new one on me as well so I, I don't really know is the answer um, so the yeah. B- BBC Sport were reporting it and it said blah 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 John Stones is handing it. We understand that John Stones is handing a transfer request. Uh, our sources say this, uh, but nothing to, you know, that actually explains it. Sky Sports did exactly the same thing, so I just I, I didn't know whether to believe the story for ages, and then obviously it, it came to light that he did. He went in after, into the office after training and put this formal request in. Um, but. Apparently, I was acting like an entitled brat because I put on Facebook that I think the club need to make a statement, like now, you know, right then. You know, there's it, 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 there's talk about uh, you know re- rejecting bids, all this kind of stuff, and Everton's communication being bad. But stories like this, when you start player is being rumoured to have handed a transfer request I think it's starting to mess with people's heads a little bit and I think we do have a right to know things like that you know whether somebody picks up a knocking train and maybe we, we don't have a right to know that but if our you know superstar signing uh, you know uh, centre back is on the verge of moving I, th- I think we, we do have a right to know that am I, am, am I being uh, entitled Mark? Well, I don't think so, and, and the club obviously listened to you by, uh, you know, releasing the the official statement that you released um, yesterday. I think it was now uh, on Thursday. So, yeah. So, I'm bored of Stones now. I really am. I'm not bored of him. I'm glad he's still here, uh, but I'm bored of the whole palaver. Yeah, we, we. I mean, I think he's just he's just going to get his head down and carry on. I, I I don't think he's the type to spit his dummy out and start. Um, you know, not trying in games and stuff like that. I think he'll get his head down because it's in his best interest. And in a lot of people have compared this to when uh, the horrible red shite turned down the request of one Luis Suarez uh, a, a few years ago, and then he got got his head down and um, at the season of his life, and then they got double the money for him. So it could happen with John Stones. I mean, European Championships next summer. Uh, he gets his head down. He has a blinding season, you know, best centre half in the league. He goes to European Championships, has a good European Championships, and then he's got Barcelona and Real Madrid knocking on his door, Bayern Munich next season. So, so as you said, it's, you know, what? How would it benefit him now to go? I don't want to play for Everton anymore. Uh, I'm gonna do nothing and be crap. It wouldn't, would it? Uh, he's better off, and he'll probably get even more money. Uh, by having another blinded season and, and that's what we want and hopefully we can do something this season that will then persuade him that this is where his future lies long term you know he used to say that we can't go on to win something and, and have a good league finish uh, I think that's what we're going to need to show him uh, if we want him to stay any further than, than the next summer but yeah let's leave that till then ok so what the fellow who was rumoured to be um Stones' replacement which I don't think many people believed everyone thought he was coming in additionally uh, Mori 
I told, I can't remember. I can't remember his first name. I know it's Fuen, Fuen, uh, Fuenes. Oh, I can't even remember his, his full name now. I'm <laughs> sorry, lads. It's, it's Funes Mori. That's his name. Funes Mori. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. Well, but you know this. This again, just like usual transfers that involve Everton Football Club. This is dragging on a little bit. The lad's over. Uh, you know he's been to games. He's been seen in the crowd. Uh, he's clearly getting it done. There is some sort of hold up at the moment. Initially, we thought it was a work permit. Will he get a work permit? Will he not? Apparently, that's not the issue. Uh, I think there's just. I think it's been described now, basis basically as difficulties in communication between ourselves and River Plate. Uh, that's what the hold up is. Um, the lad's 22. Uh, he's not going to be first choice, I don't think, but he's certainly going to be probably first choice backup at centre half by the looks of things. Yeah, I think he's um, he's what, he's been described as a phenomenal tal- talent, and uh, you know he's 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 in the in and out the Argentina squad. So who described him as a phenomenal talent? Oh, I wonder. I wonder. No, who. I can't think. Yeah, uh, but you know, I mean, he's he's been ripped by what's his name? Is it? I think someone Vickery, who's a South American correspondent, a writer for someone. And he's been. Yeah, he's, the, he's the lad of Talk Sport who said that uh, he's a, he's an expert on South American football, and he once described Eric Lamella yeah. as world class, and Paulinho was world class. Oh yeah, I saw this. He he said that those two players would turn Tottenham into real contenders. So he knows his stuff, this fella. Yeah. I want to take somebody else's uh, opinion on Funes Mori. Uh, and there was an interview this week with uh, an old friend of ours, Dennis Stracolasi, uh, and he was asked about Mori. Uh, and Dennis Stracolasi's answer to this was basically something along the lines of, because I am paraphrasing, uh, the Evertonians will love Mori because he's just like me, except he plays in defence. <laughs> so that could go two ways, really. Yeah, well. He could either be um, a yard dog. He might run around kicking everyone, but he might be a terrible footballer. Yeah. Someone else coming in from South America, uh, Leandro Rodriguez. It seems to me that this is uh, someone who's coming into. I mean, by the sounds of the press conference earlier on today, this is someone who's coming in to be uh, like, like, hopefully not as ineffective as Junior, but someone who's coming in. That kind of level, who's going to be? Well, I think it's another David Hennon. Yeah, some, yeah, it's yeah. Similar to the David Hennon deal, he's been brought in to go into the under twenty one squad initially, uh, and we'll see where it goes from there. It wasn't a massive fee, I believe, somewhere in the region of five to six hundred thousand. So, where's the punt? So, my understanding of, um, of the way Roberto said things today, he he's not included in these three players. I think. Uh, Funes Mori he is and then he said he still wants to bring two additional players in and I don't think uh, Leandro is included in that so two two players on top of that uh, one of them everybody is still hoping because it, it, he said it's going to be two attacking players because he's happy with the defensive signing and the defensive youngsters we've got so two attacking minded players Everyone's hoping it's still going to be Yarmolenko, but I seriously doubt that because that deal looks like it's dead in the water now. And um, yeah, it looks like Kiev Kiev being ridiculously difficult to deal with, uh, you know. Um, and I think the Kiev president's come out either yesterday or today and said 
the deal's off. Uh, Yarmolenko is not going anywhere until at least the winter. So at the moment, that one looks dead in the water, really. But the thing is with that, he's out of contract next year. So they they've been talking about cashing in on him. So I think I think there still might be some legs left in this, uh, and I think he might be end up moving anyway. Uh, I would I would not be surprised at all if on the transfer deadline day he signs for Everton at you know ten to six in the evening or whatever time the cut off point is. Yeah. Uh, I still I haven't a hundred percent give up, but it does at the minute all the all the noise coming from both clubs uh, is that um, it looks dead. You know I think it's at one point last week all the Spanish papers were tipping the lad that he was going to go to Barcelona in the shot transfer. Yeah. So, you know. We're really not overestimating this lad's quality at all. Uh, he is right up there with some of the best players in Europe, but he is regarded in that way at the moment. So, if we can pull it off, uh, yeah, I'll still do a little wee in my catch in my kicks. I've seen a, little, a quote from him saying that he will definitely he'll be here till the summer, and he'll ho- he'll wholeheartedly be there. Sorry, until the summer, until next summer. Uh, but that to me could be seen as. You know, if he ends up staying, he'll give it his full. You know, it'll be wholehearted in that sense. So I, I think that could be read two ways. Uh, so I, I think, I, I don't think it's completely dead in the water. Uh, I think there's still well, a chance. So John Stones is under the transfer request. Why don't we do a straight swap? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they'd have that. Uh, so. One player we have have been linked well, two, we've been linked with two Shakhtar players. One of them being a fella who we 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 uh, we couldn't say enough. We couldn't praise this lad enough when he was in the World Cup, could we? <laughs> Not. What is this? Is this um, Bernard? Saint Bernard, yeah. Or Bernard? Yeah. If he, if he was actually, if he was born in Liverpool, he'd be called Bernie. Bernie, like Bernie lad. Bernie the Blue. Bernie the Blue from Bootle. Um, yeah, Bernard. Um, I remember him in the last World Cup playing up front with Fred, uh, and the pair of them were terrible. Shite. Um, it, he is only a young lad, though. He's still only 22. So is Joe. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, don't be mind me about Joe. What have I told you about mentioning Joe on this podcast? It gives me, like, uh, PTSD. It's like going back to Nam, remembering Joe playing for us. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there's no, not been a, uh, many more links. I think it's the Stones thing has has just dominated everything, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it looks like we're going about the actual recruiting of players. If we are doing uh, fairly quietly, um, so we'll see what happens. But I say, you know, Bernard, he's twenty two. Um, he's been. Yeah, he he's already had one big money move to Shakhtar. From uh, I think he went from. Atletico Mineiro or some one of them South American sides um, 22 million quid they pay for them uh, summer before last not so, 22 million yen no 22 million quid Spartak Moscow paid about 10 million for them because they wanted the team up in a deadly strike force of Bernard and Billy Lettinoff yeah uh, however uh, that didn't happen and Shakhtar doubled the, the offer and, and, and got him but he wasn't a regular by any means last season from, from one and now I think he played about I don't know 14, 15 times in the league uh, and he's only scored a couple of goals in all competitions so I don't think he set the world alight there um, but he is that number 10 there that Martinez so dearly covets 
Okay, so just a simple yes or no uh, answer needed here. Will Aaron Lennon sign? <laughs> Sir, your, is your phone going off in the middle of the podcast now? Siri has just decided that um, it, it wants to kind of participate on, uh, on this. Go on, ask Siri a question on the podcast. Okay, here we go. I'm not sure what you said. <laughs> Will Aaron Lennon sign for Everton before transfer deadline day? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> is, is, he, is, is he referring people to, to us? You were saying? Uh, yeah, shut up, Siri. You've had, you've had your moment of fame. Oh, it's still going? <laughs> right, technology, wonderful thing. Uh, no, but my same question to you. Will uh, Anna Lennon sign for Devon before transfer deadline day? Yes. I think I think he will. I think he's one of the attacking minor players we've got in mind. And I think we'll have a more central uh, one. Saying that though, we played with we, the past two games. We played with four central midfielders. So, do we need? Do you think he, he's still got a number ten in mind? Am I still on yes or no only answers, or can I, can I say more? You can say I? more if you want. Um, just going back to Alan Lennon, I do think we'll sign him, but I don't think we need him. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think he still does want it, someone to play in the middle, yeah, I really do. I think he thinks we need somebody who can provide goals from midfield, more goals than what we already get. Um, which, okay, I mean, the problem he's going to have is, Barkley's looked brilliant so far this season, hasn't he? He looks like he has come on, So, and he's scored a couple of times, so are we not going to play Barkley there? Yeah. I think so. I, th- I think it's just going to be it's about competition for places. And if Barkley kind of loses a little bit like last season, then there's no one really who can step up and do that job. So I think I think we do need it. I just I'm just not sure what end of the market we should be looking. Whether we should be looking to blow all our cash on a 15 million pound number 10, or maybe we should be trying to get in somebody who's got a lot of experience who can maybe do a season or two uh i don't know who that who that player might be but you know i think i think well there's a there's a player that fits that bill perfectly who's out there and can do a number 10 role and wouldn't cost a penny and does a stupid chicken dance every time he scores oh yeah (laughs) and if we even go anywhere near kevin nolan I will honestly send my season ticket back. Yeah. <laughs> At least we're not going to get Joey Barton, which you'll be happy about. Thank you, Burnley. And, uh, he'll, do, he'll do a job at Burnley, Joey Barton. Yeah. Uh, you just worry about him, don't you? Every time, every, time every time he kind of signs for someone, doesn't he kind of get relegated? Well, they don't, well what, are they going to get relegated to League One? He's, for the Championship, he's a good player. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. I'm, 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 you think of Burnley was still in the league for a minute? I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking it was last season. Sorry. 2015, 16, son. Get with the program. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, what was I just going to say then? You've threw me. Oh, uh, John Walters, but, Evertonian, is uh, having contract disputes. Is he worth a look, or is he? Uh, 
Hells no. Hell no, yeah. Fair enough. Cool. Right, okay, I've got no more news of you. Uh, just very quickly, just breaking at the moment, it looks like Johnny Evans, one of the players we've been linked with through the summer, it looks like he's, uh, or some sort of fee has been agreed at West Brom, he's in talks with West Brom, so that looks like that's going to happen. Um, so we're not getting Johnny Evans. As we mentioned before, it looks like our, you know, our centre-half options this this season are going to be Jags, Stones, uh, Murray as first back-up, and then obviously we've got Brown and Galloway that can fill in. Um, and the one other quest, the one other thing I wanted to bring up, just in the news, um, was Gareth Barry about to make his seventh hundredth Premier League appearance. And will he get his seven hundredth booking? <laughs> He's got more than seven hundred bookings, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Let's leave that news there then. And uh, I don't think we're going to have time to do a social media section today because we've got three games to talk about so we'll come back and have a look at the games from last week and the upcoming Spurs game on Saturday This is the Not Bitter Just Better Everton podcast If you haven't already go and like us on Facebook facebook.com slash EFC Not Bitter Just Better or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC Okay, so there you have our social media links. Uh, just as we finished off recording that little bit, it was actually confirmed that Rodriguez has now been announced and been confirmed. So, uh, what's the details, Mark? Uh, yeah, just just reading through it now. It looks like it's a four-year deal. Uh, it's an undisclosed fee, but as I said before, I think it's believed to be somewhere in the region of five, six hundred thousand, probably a few add-ons in there. Uh, he's joined from River Plate Montevideo, which is his, his hometown club, where he scored 19 goals in 71 appearances. Uh, it looks like, reading through this, it looks like Martinez has made some sort of press release on the deal. Uh, and this is this is what Martinez has said about Rodriguez. He's a young talent, one of those elite, talented youngsters who we like to bring in. Mason Holgate is a clear example of a really strong young English defender and Leandro Rodriguez is a young striker with a real knack of scoring goals but he's much more than that too his contribution will be a lot more than that and hopefully we can provide a path where he can develop and enjoy his football Uh, he probably won't need time with the under 21s because he has played enough games with his first team in Uruguay in a really competitive league if you look at the amount of strikers that came through those environments, you don't get surprised about the quality of these players. I am not saying that to put pressure on the boy, but he is a player we can be very much excited about in the future. Sounds good. I think that I think that's from the press conference this morning. A lot of that, unless he's just nicked his own um, his own his own sentences from. Uh, but right. he said a lot of similar stuff. Uh, but the Murray deal seems like it's going to be another couple of days. So, so that that makes it sound like possibly you know he won't be going into the under twenty one squad and he will be considered for the first team. Yeah, so he's going to go and leapfrog David Hennen. That's very nice, isn't it? Possible. Okay, cool. So welcome to Everton. Uh, so we're going to look back a little bit at the two games this week before we look ahead at the Tottenham game. First of all, a look back at the City game last Sunday. Uh, and 
we got the team news and it was unchanged from the side that did so well against Southampton. Was that a surprise for you, Mark? Um, yes and no. I was surprised to see both Lukaku and Kone start against a side like City. However, I think it was one of those situations where the performance against Southampton was so good. Um, you know, you don't want to change a side like that, a winning side. And I think, you know, had Martinez have done that, he probably would have got quite a bit of criticism from the fans. So, now I think, you know, going with an unchanged side at this, this time was probably the right thing to do. I, I don't know whether I agree with that. I think he would have got criticised no matter what. But it was a very different prospect, wasn't it, facing City uh, than to uh, facing Southampton. And I think we really got caught out because of it. Uh, I, I, so you, you think going from two recognised strikers away from home and then switching that to one recognised striker at home in the next game, you don't think that would be deemed as being negative? Well... If it, if he was playing in in a four four two formation, then it would be deemed as being negative. But to play your so called recognised striker out on the right wing when there's two wingers on the bench, then I think that's a negative. So it it was all right. It was the same team on paper, but I think the responsibilities and the roles were not the same. There was nowhere near the same kind of interchanging of, of play where you know where we talked about how, how how well he did it against Southampton where when there was you know when Lukaku was up top or Kone was up top then one of the others would be on the wing and he and then he kept switching it. There was none of that against City and obviously City's the way City set up will do you know I mean they that will have some of effect, some effect on it but I just wonder whether they've just been given different roles anyway. I think, obviously, just because of the, the personnel City have got and the way you're going to have to, you know, deal with their players, I think that's probably what, what you know, sort of stopped us from playing the way we did against Southampton, in a way. Um, I mean, you can criticise the, the, the team he picked, but I, I think, you know, I think particularly in the first half, I thought we were more than a match for City. I actually think we were the better side in the first half, and obviously... You know, Lukaku had a goal disallowed, which looking back on now, um, should never have been disallowed. Oh, I don't know. He, he, he was offside. Oh, I don't think he was, no. I, I think, think the benefit of the doubt there has got to be given to the striker. Um, you know, If there is a doubt, but I don't think there was a doubt. I thought he was onside. I've seen the replay, and on the replay I think he's onside. Um, I don't. I, I mean, I think you're looking a little bit rose-tinted. I think... We did all right. We coped all right, but we're still under the cosh a little bit, you know. So I don't think we played better than them. I just yeah, well, think we we matched them more. You see, we were under the cosh. You know, they've got, in particular, two utterly world-class players in Aguero and Silva. You know, Yaya Torre is not far behind them two either. So you're going to be under the cosh in a way. But I thought on balance of play in the, in the first half I thought we were fine you know I've heard people this week criticise Galloway's performance before he went off injured you know saying oh he gives you nothing going forward you know he doesn't look like he's ready yet etc etc but I actually thought the injury to Galloway turned the game for us I thought once he went off um, 
I just thought it had a bit of a negative effect on the way we played. I don't think we showed the confidence in Brownen uh, across the back four that we have been showing in Galloway. Uh, and I think it had a negative effect right the way throughout the team when Brownen came on. I'm not, you know, obviously, I'm not going to slag Brownen off because it's not easy for the lad to come on against, you know, players like David David Silva when, he, when he's playing out of position. And he's still a kid himself, so... You know, he came in, he did the job that was asked of him. However, I just think it really did sort of knock us for six a little bit throughout the team. I completely agree. I mean, even though, even if Galloway doesn't offer that much going forward, what he did really offer more than anything was was shape. And he gave us balance throughout the, the side. He was always over there on the left. And he looked comfortable there. He All right, you know, Navas... You know, turned them inside out a few times, but you know you're talking about top quality players. Any defender, Baines would have been turned inside out a few times. So I don't. I think I think you you're right in that sense. I, I think people were a little bit harsh as well, and I do agree. It, it, that combined with half time, uh, it was it was it was a real turning point, and it was only downhill from there, unfortunately. Yeah, it was, uh, and obviously, any you know most Blues listening will know that. City ended up running out two 0 winners. Um, what's your what's your thoughts on the goals? Uh, they were both quite cheap, really. Uh, you know, the, the first one, Sterling, decent enough run, comes inside from the left hand side and lays a little ball, kind of a little bit on the overlap, but Kolarov from an impossible angle. Uh, it fires in at the near post which I mean from a goalkeeper's point of view if you just stand there then those shots are stopped there's no way that should be going in and even I mean this is where we talk about I know I know you don't think Morales offers us anything uh, defensively when he's on there I disagree a little bit I think if someone like Morales was on that on the right wing there would Seamus at right back I don't think Kolarov would have been that far up I think you know the thought is in his head a little bit there that if they get caught then Morales is just going to burn him off so I don't know I mean that's easy to look back in retrospect in hindsight and say you know that that you know that, that could have been stopped there but that's my thoughts on that one it was a shame really that the, the, the first goal came from that side because you know what I would like to say is, I thought Seamus Coleman was was head and shoulders our best player on throughout the game on the day, and he dealt with. I think Sterling's looked very good since he's gone to City, but I thought Seamus dealt with him brilliantly throughout the game. Uh, and the one time Sterling got away from him and got a cross in, Kolarov obviously ends up putting that away from that angle. Yeah, one thing I'll say about Sterling, um, for a little lad, he's got some upper body strength, hasn't he? Well, he's got that low centre of gravity, hasn't he? Which means he can. It's a little bit easier for him to sort of knock somebody off balance than it is for them to do do the same back to him. Yeah, uh, the the Browning situation. I mean, the, the the second goal from over on the right, over over on um, sorry on uh, City's right, so our left. Browning, a right back stroke centre back playing at left left back. Uh, it, just before this. Uh, Browning had took out 
the, uh, John Stones completely missed the ball and the City player goes through uh, it, 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 this is where this is what actually led to the goal isn't it Tim Howard makes a save with his face in, in, uh, from the near post is, is, is that the, the right sequence I'm thinking of or was that later on um, I don't know. You completely confused me there. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, what what led to the goal down the same side? Howard makes a save. It comes back out to the touchline, and I, I don't even know. It it was just a pretty easy through ball played in to Nasri who just come on. It was kind of in the air a little bit, and Howard comes out, and it's just scooped over him, and Howard's just kind of lost. Doesn't even. Have, I think it was just maybe executed to perfection or maybe he was mid-stride or whatever, couldn't set himself. But next thing you know, before Howard even has a chance to react, it's in the net. So, lovely finish from Nasri. Two great finishes, but you've got to question whether they could have been stopped. Uh, and just to clarify something on that, is Nasri now actually a woman or is he still just an ugly lesbian? Uh, I don't know. It's still up for debate, I'd imagine. Right, okay. So, two next pretty much I mean you want to kind of you hope for the upset there but it's pretty much what we expected wasn't it yeah there was a little bit of unrest you know I think about Martinez's ideas towards substitutions and when he when he made them there was yeah I mean Naismith came on and the argument was is Naismith a game changer and sometimes Naismith has been a game changer I just think he, in, he does pop up with important goals yeah I think I it, can understand why he brought him on However, when you've got Morales and Delafeu sat on the bench um, and you're chasing a the game, they are more likely to pick out something special than Naismith, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, what Delafeu ended up being the one to come on in what the 85th minute, but he was actually just, re- just after his wave. He did wave. He did yeah, he did. Wave. We, we got the famous Jerry wave, but he was actually up there, you know, ready to come on in about the 78th minute. So it was a very late substitution, but it, it it should have been earlier. You know, the ball didn't go out for a ridiculously long amount of time, uh, and then there were a few set pieces where I think Roberto fancied, you know, staying staying with the side he had out there, and then eventually it ended up being about the eighty fifth minute. And I have to say, when Jerry came on, he had a couple of spells of possession where he just ran the ball out. So. You know, well, he had a couple. Of, he had a little spell there where basically his first touch was terrible, and he didn't look like he could strap his hands in the door. No, uh, but I think you know the expectation. He, he was there for that long. The expectation was there for, for him to come on and try and change it, but I mean, there was just no chance. So fair play. He was there for that long. He should have ran through it in his head. out to control the ball. That's what he should have done. But yeah. Um, you're not, I'll ask he was a little bit better than his next substitute appearance, I will give him that, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, so what I just want to say about this game though is, you know, Oviedo played midweek, 120 minutes. Was it a gamble not having a left-sided player, uh, defender on the bench, when you've got two wingers in Delafeo Morales, you've got Naismith and Osman who are both attacking midfield options or you know striking options really you've got Brown in there and you've got Besic who is a central midfielder when you've already got four central midfielders in there surely for one of those five players not not including um, Browning 
Oviedo can be on the bench there, so you've got at least one left and one right-sided player. Is that? I, I don't think it was a gamble. I'll talk about Oviedo in the Barnsley game, and I'll make it clear then why I don't think it was a gamble because I don't think the lad is anywhere near fitness at the minute. Um, but and I don't think it was a gamble for the fact that when Galloway got injured, I fully expected us to bring maybe Bessic on or another centre midfielder and drop Barry in at left back I, w- I was shocked when he didn't do that um, because Gareth Barry can play there he is left footed, he is left sided now I know you're gonna. I can see you over FaceTime rolling your eyes at me here and I know what you're going to say, he hasn't got the pace he hasn't got the pace to go in or he hasn't got anything else but what he has got is he has, he has got massive amount of experience that's that's you're weighing up the, the shape and you know the the, the the fact that he's a left-sided player, left-footed player. You've got to weigh up your shape there against the pace, and it, it, it's it's one of those. It's it's you've got to sacrifice either you know you've got Browning's pace and the fact that he's a defender against you know the fact that Barry's got zero pace and you know it, it's dead tricky that isn't it? But it's it's it's. It, 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 it's one of those, isn't it? It's a tricky equation, but it's got a very simple answer. Who, at the moment, is the best left-back out of Gareth Barry or Ty Brown? And, and I would say it's Gareth Barry because he's played at that position, at that level, for years. Yeah, I, yeah I'd, I'd probably... But, you know, it's easy for us to play football manager, isn't it, and say that's what we would have done. But, you know... Uh, so, 2-0... Coleman, man of the match. I think it was pretty much unanimous from, you know, Evertonians what we thought, because he, he really did put in a shift. Uh, he was having a go going forward as well. Match Sterling for most of the game. It pretty much made him ineffective for most of the game actually. Uh, uh, big honourable mention to Sergio Aguero as well for a lovely bit of sportsmanship, stopping the game for the corner when uh, one of our compatriots in the Gladys T10 needed a bit of medical attention. So. Uh, Fair play to Sergio. I think, I think you mentioned him the other week, didn't you? And your, your players that you like from other teams. Yeah. So, um, I think he cemented himself there, right in the heart of a few Evertonians, with a, a good bit of fair play. So, uh, well done, Sergio. Lad. Class act as well, as well as being a you know a world class footballer. Ah, uh, what a player! Brilliant player. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but there was, there was one point where City got a corner, and David Silva ran past us to take it. And there was the usual, you know, people giving him a load of sticks, saying, you're crap, you lad, you're crap, you know, obviously tongue-in-cheek. I just stood there and applauded him, because he is that good. Yeah, he was one of my he was one of my favourite players last season, uh, And uh, apart from the fact that he was diving around a little bit. But, you know, it is what it is, isn't it? Don't get me wrong, I mean, he's no dead at him, but he's, he's a good player, isn't he? Yep. Uh, right, OK, so on to... Barnes of the game from Wednesday night and this was on the back of the whole Stone saga which we discussed earlier so the I suppose that we, we found we found out on a Tuesday that Oviedo would start this game we were um and ahhing we were wondering whether would Stones asking for the transfer on Tuesday would he be in the starting lineup because that would go a long way to you know, show an Everton stance on this, and the answer when it came at six forty-five p.m. was that Stones was indeed in the starting lineup, and it looked like quite a strong uh, eleven, really. You know, there's only a couple of youngsters in there. Pennington, well, I, I call Oviedo a youngster, but uh, 
Pennington coming in at right back. I thought that was strange. Well, I think it's you know that that's an would have been an ideal game. I think he is now our first choice cupboard at right back. Um, well, what about Browning? Well, obviously. Well, yeah. Strange. What, that's what <laughs> I mean. I, I, that never crossed your mind. To be honest, I think Browning is seen as being a centre back. To be fair, but yeah, I mean he could have played there. But I know Pennington has been, you know, doing well in under twenty ones recently. Uh, he's been out on loan and done well, so I think they were just giving him a go, seeing you know, seeing what he can do. So Kone makes way for our favourite, Aidan McGeady, on the right hand side as well, which we 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 were so excited about. And Morales came in on the left, so cleverly drops out, and Barry dropped out, didn't he? Bessic and McCarthy in the in the middle, so yeah. a few changes, but still look a strong side. Oh, we forgot. forgot. No, I, I was impressed with the side when I when when I saw it on paper. I, I really was. Forgot the main one. Go on, Joel. Yeah. Now, I think obviously I think you know Joel was always going to play the Carlin Cup games, but I think a few people probably you know after the two mistakes possibly you could say Howard made for the Man City goals. I think a few people probably saw this as maybe if Joel plays well. He could potentially be in line for, for a recall to the first team. Well, let's just say he's not. No, he's definitely not. In fact, I think the only thing that was, you know, deemed after that game in regards to goalkeeping was a lot of people were calling that we needed a brand new goalkeeper. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've said this before on the podcast when people were going on about Joel's amazing form when he had three clean sheets. And was I've that just. Me? Well, a lot of people have said the same kind of thing when Howard came straight back in, and I think I think that was utter bullshit. He had three clean sheets, but it just because because of circumstances, we didn't have that many attempts against us, and you can't say that he's having amazing performances if he's got nothing to do. So, I I, I think uh, I think he was found out again. Yeah, and uh, you know. The Blues away against Barnsley find themselves two goals down very early on. Yeah, um, and the defending that wasn't the best, was it? I, I always like to let you talk us through the goals because I know you like to pick holes and defend and you're a bit like Alan Hansen, aren't you? <laughs> the, the, the first one, I see, I mean, I, I might be getting my goals mixed up here, but the, does, uh, the conspiracy theorists were out again because, um, was it the first one? Is you know low into the corner, uh, not the best connection, but it, it it just so happens to go underneath John Stones. He kind of hops over the ball instead of blocking it. Uh, so my kind of understanding of this is he's seen a lad going to take a shot. He's kind of jumped up to block it because he thinks the lad's going to get a true connection. The lad kind of scuffs it a little bit, and it it, it it's more of a daisy cutter. Stones has already committed to what he his action is going to be, uh, and then as it just so happened that the close up from <laughs> right behind looked that like John uh, John Stones had jumped as the shot had been hit, and he just jumped out of the way of it instead of getting a block on it. So you know a lot of people saying ah he's not even trying anymore. In fact, you know we jumped out the way of that. So. You know, it, it was. I, I think it was just one of those unfortunate things that looks bad on camera. I mean, definitely. I 
Koscielny did something for Arsenal the, the week before, the game before against Palace, and I think his one he actually did get out the way, he looked awful. Uh, I don't think Stones was anywhere near that, to be fair. The second one, uh, terrible mix-up, ball came, comes in, in in that little avenue, which loads of commentators call a defender's nightmare. Uh, just when, the, in fact, the, I'm, 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 that's quite kind to Joel. It comes in round the edge of the six-yard box, and he should be having it. He should be booting it, punching it, whatever, uh, to get a clear. But he's uh, indecisive, and you know the the, the Barnsley fella pops in and uh, gets a toe on it, and it somehow ends up in the back of the net. And it just great knowledge, great knowledge of players there. The Barnsley, Barnsley fella. fella. Yeah. I couldn't even, couldn't even be asked looking at the, the scorers. I know I know the blue scorers, so you know there we go. Uh, so two 0 down, and um, that's the way it goes. I, in. Not not a happy set of Evertonians at the the end behind the goal at half time. No. Um, at this point, it was quite grim, and we were still all under the the gloom of the Stones transfer request. So, yeah. It wasn't a happy time, that 15 minutes of half time, was it? No, but, you know, early on, before the players even come out, we we, we find out that uh, there's going to be a double change at half time. Pennington and McGeady to go to go off. Actually, we mentioned that McGeady had a really good chance. Very, very, uh, I forgot to mention, sorry. Very, very early on, McGeady had a very good chance to put us 1 uh, 0 up, which he should have done better with, you know, which could have put. To bed a lot of the, you know the initial pressure that we had, but he didn't, and uh, perhaps because of that and the 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 lack of any other impact he made, he made way for um, Ross Barkley and Delafeo came. I've on. got a sneaking suspicion that will be the last appearance for Everton for Aidan McGee. It could well be, you know, it could well be uh, if Delafeo's uh, performance was anything to go by, his fitness is really picking up. And uh, Morales, obviously. I've always, I've always liked this kid, this Delafayu kid. Uh, yeah. Brilliant from the minute he came on. Obviously, uh, yeah. And I, you know, I don't know how anyone could ever have doubted his end product. Yeah, if you say so. Uh, so the Blues, uh, two 0 down. Barkley and Delafayu come on, and what a change it was because. Uh, they really rallied the team, and we we started a, a fight back, a fight back <laughs> against Barnsley. <laughs> Sounds funny to say, but, you know. We we thought we were petering out. This competition was petering out again for us. I say petering out. It was more like a being dumped out with an embarrassing bang. But uh, you know, the lads had you know something to say about that, and Morales uh, quickly got one back for us with an uh, acrobatic effort high into the roof of the net yeah it was a great little finish tucked it away nicely um, showed passion which is something we don't always see from Morales um, but he you know, really did spark uh, the, the comeback for Evan I think he uh, showed a little bit too much passion for your liking didn't he yeah he did I mean there was one little incident there in the second half which I picked up on where I think the ball went out to play in front of the Evertonians um, and the Barnsley ball boy picked up the ball and probably as he's been instructed to do by you know the management or, or whoever else was a little bit slow in giving it back um, 
contrary to popular beliefs, a few people were saying that this ball boy was about 25 years of age. He clearly wasn't. He was about 15 tops. Um, and Morales decides that he's going to run over and, okay, it wasn't, you know, attempt murder or anything, but he put his hands on the ball boy and he pushed him and he grabbed the ball. Now, to me, it's a ridiculous thing to do. Yeah, you don't, you don't need to, yeah. If the ref sees it, potentially you can be sent off for that. Yeah. And apart from that, it's just stupid because, you know, it's still a kid and he's a grown man and he should know better than that. And I know he was passionate about the game. I know he wanted to get the game going again. But, you know, there's ways to do it, isn't it? You just point out to the referee that they're all time-wasting and you get on with it that way. So, uh, yeah. I wasn't happy with Kev over that, but, you know... Right, I'm, I'm confused on the order of these goals again now. So I've, I've, Naismith was next. Yeah, I know Naismith with a... This was the start of the Jerry assist show, wasn't it? Um, great great work from Jerry down the right-hand side. Whips a ball in. And Naismith with a strong... At first I thought it was a great head of finish, but he just made a good connection and the power of it. You know, power past the keeper. Uh, and the boys are 2-1. Two, two and yeah, right back in it. And I mean, at that point, I must admit, I fully expected Barnsley to sort of capitulate and, and to give up. You know, 2 0 lead, got to be disheartened when a Premier League side pulls it back. You know, they've just brought pace and skill on with Delafeu and Barkley. And I really would have expected Barnsley to sort of fall to pieces at that point. But, you know, as much as we're going to criticise Evan and talk about Evan, I think you've got to give Barnsley massive credit here, massive credit, because they didn't, they didn't give up. Nope. And they quickly go up the other end and go three two up. So, yeah, Blues heart in miles again. I must admit, when they went three two, I thought we wouldn't come back into it, even though we were bossing the game. I just had the feeling like it was one of those nights where. We just, you know, a standard Everton League Cup night where we just basically fall to a defeat we weren't expecting. Well, at this point, I thought we were going to scrape it back to three all, and then it go to penalties, and we'd fall out on penalties. Uh, luckily, you know, the boys managed to not uh, let that happen. Uh, but Lukaku steps up with his first of the night, and. I think it was pretty much on a plate for him again with great work from Delafeu, wasn't it? It was a scuffer though. What Lukaku's finish? Yeah. Yeah, this is this is where I'm lost now with the assists. This was the one where he missed kicked it, wasn't it? This, it looked like you know, it did look like a good finish, but then when you look at the replay, it looked like he actually scuffed it into the the, the far corner that he wasn't going for. All oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I, I missed. This this wasn't the Delafeo assist then, was it? He, he assisted in the, the last two. It finished ended up finishing three three anyway, uh, into extra time as it as you know as it, the way it works in the uh, in the League Cup, the Capital One Cup, the Milk Cup, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Rumbelow's Cup. The Rumbelow's Cup, yeah. Um, so you know players like Oviedo, you know ninety minutes under his belt. And he's got to go for an extra thirty. So well, considering he couldn't run after ninety seconds, yeah, it, you know it was probably you know a hundred and twenty minutes too long for the lad. Um, I'm a, I'm 
a big fan of Brian, obviously, though. I've talked about this on the podcast before. I love, you know, his, his attitude towards football. I love the way he seems to love the Blues. And he'll always have a place in my heart for the, you know, that goal he scored at Old Trafford when we won at Old Trafford a couple of seasons ago. Great night. Um, but he, at the minute, he just looks completely off the pace. And I've got a funny feeling, you know, he might retire soon. That's what I. That's the level I think he could be at. No, I think I think it's it. It was such a bad injury that you know he needs to just get his full fitness back. And I think it's going to take a little while and a few little niggling injuries because he, he didn't train properly for a, a, a long time. He didn't do any training for a long time. So, uh, yeah, I'm I think he'll be that, right. I'm getting that vibe of like an Owen Hargreaves from him. I really am. You know, where he battles injury for ages and he keeps trying to come back and he plays the odd game in, the odd game in and he'll be back out for a while. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, but that is just the vibe I'm getting for him. There were simple things on Wednesday night that he had to do, like, you know, he'd be running with the ball and then he'd have to sort of suddenly break sharply and trap the ball and, and he just didn't seem to be able to, 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 to do it, which was, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I'm a little bit concerned about him at the minute. Yeah, anyway, he, he completed a full 120 minutes anyway, so that's good to see and it can only do him good. Um, the Blues eventually take the lead for the first time in the game and this was an assist by Jerry again to Lukaku put us 4-3 up uh, and then not long after we go 5-3 up which we thought was the same combination again but it ended up being an own goal and Lukaku was denied a hat-trick so unfortunate but you know from being two 0 down, we're now five three up. So good character from the Blues. Even you know, even though we should be beating sides like this, it was tri- a tricky game, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was a tricky game. It turned out to be a tricky game on paper, and, and like you say, I mean, you know, if if you'd seen at the end of the night, if you hadn't watched the game and you came in and you saw Everton had won five three, you'd probably go, "Bloody hell, Barnsley scored three But you'd be happy with that result, I think, probably. You know, maybe with a few of the, not so happy with a few of the defensive frailties. But I think it was just the fact that, you know, obviously we went a couple of goals down and we, we never really looked truly convincing. Um I think that's probably where the concern lies. You know, I'm with you, it's clear that, that Joel probably isn't ready to start playing again. Um I've got my concerns over Oviedo. Um but other than that, once we actively in the second half when we got our act together uh, we did look dangerous going forward and as, and as you say I mean Delafeu I'll be the first to hold my hand up I, you know I criticised the lad uh, but you know he did look dangerous Man of the match performance he had a, a few efforts as well but you know high wide and handsome but he made a talent contribution to three of the goals you know three direct assists so uh, he, he really turned the game around Barkley looked sharp as well uh, you notice he had a bit of a shiny. Oh, I didn't notice that, no. Oh, yeah, he did, yeah. Um, so I don't know what's happened there. Maybe he's been beat up by a three-year-old or something. I don't <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of positives to take out of that game, though. You know, the fact that Jerry looked back on song. All right, it was against Barnsley, but it'll only give him confidence. And he's a confidence player. Morales got on the score sheet and got, you know, his first start. Um, Barkley looked lively. When Barkley looked lively, yeah. 
Uh, Oviedo couple played 120. Uh, goals for Lukaku. Couple, yeah. So you know, he's scored enough. So a lot of positives from the game, and you know we're through. Reading away Reading in a couple away of weeks. In the next round. So this is definitely where we go out because this is, I think, I, I think two podcasts ago I predicted we'd get knocked out by Reading away. Oh God, great. So. And I also predicted that we'd get Barnsley last round in the weirdest, spookiest thing ever on the podcast. So, um, yeah. So I've got a bit of I've got a bit of a, a league cup sort of uh, psychicness about me at the moment. Yeah, nice one. Look forward to uh, us going out there then. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> right. Okay. Anyway, they're the two games in the past in the past week, and uh, up coming up at the weekends we are the. Saturday night football game on Sky, five thirty kickoff. Is that it going to be any game at all that we're not on telly this season? I'm starting to feel a little bit ripped off of my season ticket. Yeah. <laughs> um, tricky game this, though, isn't it? It is a tricky game, um, it, but it's it, it's one of those games really where we I think we can go down there and we and we can play. I think it's no. It's not much more difficult than than Southampton away. Which yeah. We won in fear, you know, at a canter. We, we absolutely destroyed them, so there's no reason why we can't go to Tottenham and get a result. Basically, um, I think it's between two fairly even sides. Let's face it, Tottenham haven't started in particularly good form. They've played three, they haven't won a game yet. They lost their open end, and they've drawn the two games since. Um, so, you know, and they drew against Stoke and Leicester, so they're not in particularly great form. Yeah. So how do we how do we break them down and how do we contain Harry Kane? Is if he is he is he still the same player as we, as he was last season? You know, do we need to worry? Of, sorry, there's a lot of people talk about second season syndrome, isn't it? And, and now when players have these breakthrough seasons, did he then match in the second season? I honestly thought Harry Kane would go on to, to score quite a few goals again this season, and I still do to a certain extent. Um, I think what they have missed. I mean, Eriksson's injured at the moment. He's got a knee injury, uh, so that, I think he missed the Leicester game last week. I think he he, he creates a lot for them, um, and I think they've brought in a couple of new strikers. Amadi this week. Um, they've just brought a lad from Bayer Leverkusen today, um, and they, they've signed a young French lad earlier in the week. But I don't think either of them are going to be available either. So it will be Kane up front. Um, and it might be uh, that Deli Ali start just behind him. So, you know, I don't think that's anything to majorly worry about. If you can stop the service to Kane, then, yeah, I think the Blues have certainly got a good chance. So, question here, though. Who starts at left-back for Everton? Well, I don't know. I'm not 100% certain on, on Galloway's condition. Have you heard he's definitely out, or are you not sure? Uh, I think he's the he's the only doubt. It, it, it was well apart from the long term injuries. Uh, that's from the press conference today. Galloway is the only real doubt. Right. Okay. Uh, potentially, you know, you could see that. I think Spurs are probably going to go with Charlie and Dembele out on the, as their sort of wide attacking players. I think you probably could get away with Barry there against them. Yeah. I mean, with it being a little bit of a later kickoff, you know, Oviedo could be thrown in there, possibly. I I would go with Barry there, and then 
I'll be able on the bench, and if you think maybe you know Barry's getting done for pace or whatever, and I'll be able to deal with that better. Make the substitution or, or change the formation around a little bit. Um, so yeah. So Carl, I, I, I potentially I think you might see Barry start there. Carl Aussie correspondent from down under, uh, well from land or no, lives down under. Um, he shared his preferred Everton eleven for the weekend. And he sees no place for Cleverly, and he sees Kone playing on the right-hand side uh, and Morales on the left. What's the likelihood of that happening? I don't see that happening. My, I, my predict, what, what I would go with, my predicted would be, obviously, Howard in goal, Coleman, Stones, Jags, Gareth Barry at left back, criticise me as much as you want, but I think, you know, through lack of options at the minute, that might be the best option to go with. I'd then sit cleverly in with McCarthy um, and then Barkley, Lukaku and your two wide men, uh, Delafeu and Morales. Now, you know, Kone, maybe that's a bit unfair to Kone because he has been playing well. Didn't look particularly great against City. Um, so, and I don't know whether away from home Martinez will be as adventurous to go with just one holder midfielder. Uh, he may bring Besic in um, instead of having the two wingers and maybe play cleverly out on one of the wings. I definitely think cleverly will play. Maybe it'll be cleverly and Delafeu, cleverly and Morales, one of them two out wide, and sit Besic in there for a bit more cover. But do you know what? I, I, I'd have a go. I'd have a go, and I'd stick cleverly in with McCarthy, Barkley ahead of them, and then the two Morales and Delafeu out wide. Yeah, I can't. I can't see both of them playing. But you know, he's he surprises a couple of times this season, so. You know, maybe, maybe uh, the two wingers will get a shot. Uh, I do, I do, I do prefer having a wingers on the wing rather than having a striker out there, because as I say, even with a little amount of tracking back, it still offers us some kind of balance, and it still gives the uh, the, the attacking fullbacks something to think about. So I'd rather see that than uh, you know sticking Kone out on the right wing like like he did against City. Um, what, what I will say is you look in the centre of the park for Spurs and they're likely to have Eric Dier, uh Ryan Mason and, and Ali so Deli Ali so it's quite a young inexperienced I say inexperienced I know Derek Dier and, and Mason played there last season but it's a fairly inexperienced midfield and I think it's a midfield battle that we can certainly win and I think if we win that midfield battle then as I say you know, get the ball up to, to Lukaku, the current form he's in goal scoring wise. I can't see why we can't take three points. Right, okay, cool. So, and your prediction scoreline? Uh, my man to watch, I think, is going to be. Um, I'm going to go for Hugo Lloris. Uh, I think we will we are we will make chances in this game, and I think Lloris uh, is one of those keepers that can that can get a team three points because I think on his day he's one of the best keepers in the league. Uh, so I think if we can net past Lloris a couple of times, uh, you know, I say good chance of winning. Um, so man to watch for Spurs, Hugo Lloris. Prediction is uh, an Everton win by a goal, so one nil, two one, anything along those lines. Cool. Okay. Well, we of course we'd have that. So, anything else to add for this week's podcast, Mark, or should we leave it there? No, I think that's a that's a good place to leave it. Um, 
next week's one will be interesting because it'll be post transfer deadline day so um, so hopefully we'll have lots to talk about loads of big money signings in to talk about and no big money signings out unless somebody wants to give us 20 million for Aidan McGeady right okay I, I've got this little plan where I might try and record live reaction to any Everton related Sky Sports news on transfer deadline day and then if there's any any best bits of that we can stick on the podcast great okay try to do that then okie dokie so I'd uh, like to say thank you for everyone for joining us once again sorry it's a day late today uh, this week uh, you know wear commitments and all that but sometimes we're the way it goes out, which is better than last season yeah if it got to this point there wouldn't have been a podcast so definitely uh, if the sound quality is not the best we do apologise we will be back to the two of us in a room um, messing about next week so I know it's a little bit better when we do it that way yep thank you Blues uh, we should be up on Acast very soon as well so watch this space catch you next week